Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. everyone and welcome to Out of the Corner with Shane Matthews and I have a very special episode planned for today. Um, I have a very special guest uh, host um, slash interview um, with former WWE referee Aaron Goose Mahoney and uh, Aaron how are you doing? I'm doing good how are you tonight? Uh, I'm doing great man um, pretty good weekend with Mother's Day um, didn't work any shows this weekend so kind of just got to take it easy. Oh, it's good to relax. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially with um, all the good wrestling content that was on this weekend. Um, did you have a chance to check out any of it? I did. Yeah, I love the A&E biographies. I, I'm, they're tremendous. Yeah, and uh, this week's was on um, five-time, 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 um, H-Town's own Booker T. And uh, what was your what was your opinion on that, man? I loved it. I, I never got to work with Booker. Um, or I never even meet him. Uh, our paths never crossed. But, you know, I knew a little bit of it, about his uh, backstory, but not everything. And th- I learned a lot about, you know, his, you know, childhood and everything like that. And yeah, I, I didn't the know. The only thing I, I was kind of confused about it, and you might know more about this than me, I, I didn't understand because I, I I've always watched wrestling my whole life. I never understood um, – what happened with Stevie Ray that Stevie Ray, did he set, get injured or did he step away from the business? I never understood why Booker just went solo in WCW. Yeah, man, I was kind of, that kind of threw me for a curve because, um, you know, I'm 33. So when he was in WCW, I was definitely young child. And that was Monday Night Wars, of course. Um, and I was always more a WWF, World Wrestling Federation guy. Um, but I would watch, you know, WCW because NWO and stuff. Um, right, I was the same way. Um, but I don't know what happened. I don't know if because you know I saw they said Stevie was six years older than him, so I don't know if he just, you know, he went ahead and stepped out of the spotlight, or because I don't, I don't even know if he went to the Indies after that, or if he just kind of like rode off in the sunset, or what happened? Because yeah, I don't. Did he do a singles? Did he ever do a singles career that you know of? Not that I recall, no. Like, yeah, like I said, I, I they kind of uh, glossed over that, so I didn't really know. I mean, because um, I don't, I don't think they turned him heel, and he went to like the NWO or anything like that. Um, no, not that I recall. Maybe his injuries, maybe his age. I don't know. Like, yeah, I'd like to find that out. But I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, because I know you remember just like I do. I think, and I, once again, I think that was one of WCW's problems was they put too many people in the NWO. To where you ended up almost having like the whole roster at one point between the Wolfpack and the black and white. Yeah, it got very convoluted and kind of lost the emphasis of the originals, you know. Yeah, and then because then, you know, when they put them in the Hall of Fame, you know, it's supposed to be last year, but it was this year. They only put in the three original or no, I I think it was four, right? It was X-Pac, Sean Waltman, um, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan, right? I could be mistaken, but I think when they first made the announcement for that class in 2020, that didn't happen until this year. I don't, I could be wrong, but I don't think uh, X-Pac was part of it at that point. I think they just kind of realized throughout the year, like, oh, we probably should put Sean Waltman in. I I could be wrong on that, but I I don't think that he was originally uh, announced for that. I could be wrong, but. No, and that's really crazy because, you know, while we're talking and, you know, we were talking about Booker T, who's also a two-time Hall of Famer, just like, you know, Hogan. And I think Scott Hall is too now because of NWO and himself. I don't think they've put Kevin Nash in solo, have they? 
Not to my recollection, no. I don't think they did. But Sean Waltman's got two off of NWO yeah. and DX. Yeah. yeah. He, he's had a big diesel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy because you would think that uh, – you would think that uh, – sorry about that. We'll pause real quick so he can make sure to edit that. I turned my phone on Do Not Disturb, but we good, Mike? Um, yeah, and I mean, in your opinion, Goose, uh, do you think that um, do you think that X Pac deserves to go in as a solo? I do. Yeah, I think uh, if you watch any of the episodes they do, where they, you know, oh, actually, kind of like they did with SmackDown this week, where they you know, did a retro show, but when they I've done the raw retro shows, which I was part of when I was in the company. Um, which I think uh, those are so awesome, by the way. They are. It's like I, I'm, I'm a YouTube fanatic. I go down the wormhole watching everything from <laughs> wrestling, you know, from my childhood. Yeah, it, I, like just random yeah. skits or promos. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you know, it's just such a rich history of, of content, you know. And I, I actually don't have the network. Um, really? I don't know. Yeah, I never really bothered getting it because basically for me, it's just like I can watch everything on YouTube. I mean, they don't thankfully edit too much off of YouTube, so I don't think there's a lot of things that I'm missing. No, and know? I think and, on YouTube, all they do is like they'll have to flip the, uh, like the, they'll kind of like mirror it or something, you know, to where they don't get in trouble or whatever. I've seen that. Yeah. 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 But yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I think he does. I mean, the most common thing they show when they do anything on the history of Raw is when he's one, two, three kid against the uh, Razor. Oh man, what I mean, an epic, that, that's such an epic match too. Yeah, I mean that that just that no one expected that because I grew up. You know, I'm a lot older than you, but you know, I grew up. You know, watching superstars every Saturday afternoon, oh, morning, whatever it was. Yeah, it was either and, Saturday or Sunday. They always had so yeah, many weekend shows. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and, like um, uh, Shotgun Saturday Night. Um, right. Oh. But you knew by watching the match, like who was in the match, who was going to win. Yeah. That was just a promotional vehicle for whatever talent they wanted to highlight, you know. And, yeah. uh, so, you know, he, Sean Waldman as, as one, two, three kid was, I don't even think he was called that in that match. If I'm not, yeah, because he got that moniker because uh, he beat Razor. Did, I don't know. Did what he beat he him with, beat I, didn't he beat him with like a small package or it was or like a slide or something, like a slide pin or? Yeah, it was a quick spin. Yeah. I remember Kyoto was a ref, and, you know, he he was told by – I know this personally, but he was told by Scott, you better count quick. <laughs> so it doesn't look like – but, you know, like I really got beat by this guy. But they were, you know, they did it in a working way. But, yeah, I think he deserves it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, not let alone his, you know, and, you know, he hasn't really got like a uh, 30 for 30 or a biography, but I know – He's went through a lot and came out through, you know, he probably smells like smoke because he's went through hell, fire and brimstone, you yeah. know, with all his, yeah. So I think, you know, one, two, three, kid, he had great matches with Bret Hart and then, of course, becoming X Pac. And what was his name in WCW? Was it like six or something? Yeah, six. Yeah, three plus two plus one. Yeah, perfect. Right. Yeah, perfect. And they're playing off the whole, uh, uh, you know, they all played with names, you know, yeah. Virgil and you know, like, you know, uh, yeah. Thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, even speaking they of the, been all of a sudden. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what did you, the wars were fun. <laughs> oh, no doubt, man. I mean, you know, it was, I would, I, in my opinion, you know, in 98, I was probably sixth grade maybe. So I was probably like, what, 11, 12. Um, yeah. I remember, at school, man, the playground and the classroom was divided on Team WCW versus Team WWF, man. Like, straight up. Yeah. Like, like, cause I had friends that were all about Goldberg and I was like pro Austin 316, man. So, you know. I grew up in Pennsylvania. So, before the big TBS expansion, when I was really young, our cable didn't have other channels, you know, it was before the whole. I'm dating myself, but it's before there was a lot of um, cable networks. So it was a while before we got CBS. So even when they got on there, like I only knew of people in other territories 
based on magazines. You yeah, know, like the, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, yeah. stuff like that, Wrestling yeah, Observer. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I would go to the newsstand every Sunday with my dad when we'd get a Sunday paper, and, you know, he'd be talking to the shopkeeper or whatever, you know, the guy that ran the store, and they were friends. And I would just go in the back and just leaf through magazines and occasionally buy one or two. And, yeah. You know, but that, you know, so I knew the names and everything, but I, I really didn't. I was the, you know, at the time, WF fan, and obviously turned WE, but yeah, I was. Well, you were up there closer was, to their territory, too, before. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. Their yeah. home base. Yeah. Exactly. So, so you said you're from Pennsylvania originally, man. Where, where at in Pennsylvania? Williamsport, where they play the Little League World Series game. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Is yeah. That, okay. So, is that anywhere near um, Philadelphia or. We're literally the northern middle of the state, so I'm equal distance from Pittsburgh to uh, Philly. Okay, Each awesome. Side is about a four-hour drive, but when I was growing up, they did. Uh, I'm sure you probably have watched Young Rock. Yes. Um, they did a lot of you know uh, TV tapings early WWF in Allentown. Yeah, I've heard. About, I've that, heard about the. Uh, that was one of their home like, bases, right? Yeah, they did a lot of TV tapings there, and, like, I never knew that. I don't know how I didn't know that as a kid, because I used to go to a, a lot of their, like, live events around Pennsylvania, but they were mainly in, like, Scranton and, you know, different places like that, and I remember watching, you know, Saturday night's uh, main event, uh, you know, they were all pre-recorded and edited heavily and everything like that before they aired them, but the one where... Uh, Honky Tonk Man had uh, Randy Savage over the head with the guitar, you know, and push Elizabeth down, all that stuff. Oh yeah, dude, remember... that was like so contra, and it was cool because we just covered the uh, that Randy Savage biography last week, man, and um, that push down from Honky Tonk Man was pretty controversial for that time being, right? Yeah, exactly, because the way Randy was with Liz, but yeah, like I was so disappointed as a kid. I was like, oh, like they filmed this in Hershey, like, I, and that's like an hour from me like how did i not know they were doing a saturday night's main event there you know well and didn't the rock he used to live in uh bethlehem right yeah yeah it's, it's not too far from me either yeah awesome man so growing up man did you were you like what got you into wrestling um like what was your first exposure or what got you into it uh just the the whole uh rock and roll mtv connection you know the, yeah Opera. I mean, once again, I'm dating myself. I'm 45 years old, so I, I saw WrestleMania one. <laughs> so, uh, awesome, man. Uh, how did how did you have to watch WrestleMania one? Was it um, closed circuit? Closed circuit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I remember uh, the WrestleMania three with Andre and Hogan. Obviously, uh, That's I was the year to... I was born, man. I was. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was born in 87. No, I mean, <laughs> hey, man, I'm 33. I'm, I'm not a young gun myself. No, that's all right. Enjoy your youth. But, yeah, we went to, um, in my hometown, um, they did the closed circuit, but they projected it on, like, in, in a movie, uh, not like, yeah, like, basically like an old movie theater. Wow. So, yeah, we just, I think, paid, like, five ten dollars admission and just Fitting old theater seats and watch it. But, so yeah. kind of like how they do like the the MMA stuff now, where people will pay to watch it if they don't want to spend the like sixty bucks to order it at home. Like you can go watch. Yeah. It, you know, like some places will show, you know, the MMA stuff. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My birthday is uh, March twelfth, so I was growing up. I was always around for you know my birthday was always around WrestleMania season, so. I remember when they did WrestleMania five in Atlantic City. Um was that the tournament? Like about a, uh no, that was Savage and uh Hogan. Oh, Mega that Powers Explode Four was yeah, uh, same yep. place, but that was the tournament. And yeah, yeah didn't they, Macho yeah, hold the belt for a whole year, right? Yeah, yeah. They did they did two manias there, but I only went to the one and that was my birthday present one year and I got wow. to go and get tickets for that and they're like that was unbelievable wasn't that at uh trump's um yeah trump plaza man I, so how old were you when wrestlemania 5 happened then when you went to that was that uh, the, probably i don't know 12 somewhere around there wow okay so was that and that was your first was that your first live event or just oh no 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 i i've been going to shows since i was real young you know it's kind of funny yeah real quick story um and I, I, I was young enough to still be able to 
I kind of knew what was going on, if that makes sense. Um, my parents brought me to a show, uh, and it was just an indie show, but they had major names on it. it was, I think the main event, if I'm not mistaken, was Sarge and Abdul. Wow. But it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a major promotion or anything, but they brought me to an indie show. And somehow we all, my family, my parents, and I had a friend with me, and myself, obviously, and we, we went into the show and kind of uh, before the doors kind of really officially open, my friend and I were just like kind of walking around and, you know, they, my friend was, I think looking for the restroom or something. And he, he like opened up a curtain and we saw Sergeant Slaughter playing cards at that door. Oh no. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, wait, wait, what? So I kind of like seeing Santa Claus without his beard on, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So at a young age. Like I, I, I kind of knew a little bit, but I didn't really understand know. probably. Yeah. yeah. Right. All the in and outs of it. But, but, you know, is it's, uh, but yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I went to shows all over Pennsylvania. Yeah. My first, one, uh, like, you know, I'm from, I'm from central Texas, man. Uh, my first, event was uh 1997 the royal uh rumble at the alamo dome san antonio um and you know i think it got announced probably like november december you know the year before and when i saw it uh you know that's all i pled to my mom for christmas so for (laughs) christmas uh you know santa claus bought royal rumble tickets you know and uh yeah that was the one where stone cold the controversial where he came in and won it you know after being eliminated and um, I want to say Taker Vader was on that card. Um, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Mankind. And then, of course, main event was Sean beating Sid in his hometown, you know, when he came back. Um, and You would know this better than I am because I, I don't recall this part, but um, in, in the lineage or whatever, uh, around that era probably, and I watched the whole time, but I saw a video recently and I, I didn't remember – when did Yoko turn babyface? I haven't watched the Yoko documentary, so maybe they explain oh, on there. You but... haven't seen that? Oh, because you don't have the not net... on the network. Yeah. Oh man, dude, those icon. Um, speaking of which, they're doing um, Rob Van Dam this Sunday. Um, they're gonna do like a the icon and the icon series is one of the best breakdowns on characters I've seen. Um, and to answer your question, man, I think Yoko. I want to say he was heel until. At least ninety six, you know, um, and I think he went face towards the end of ninety six, right before he left. Um, yeah, I don't remember the turn because I worked with Jim Cornette. Oh, okay. Yeah, because um, he was with. Oh, you know what I think? You know what I think may have made Yoko turn um, face was when he had the rivalry with Vader. Because when they brought Vader in, they wanted Vader to be the. You know, like the big mean guy, you know, so because they had to find something to do with Vader, you know, because and I still, in my opinion, I would have liked to seen more done with Vader. But, you know, I don't think they knew what to do with him in that era. He came in, you know, because, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, you know, because Vader wasn't there. Honestly, he wasn't in the World Wrestling Federation that long. You know, I want to say just a couple of years. You know, I think everyone, yeah, him and Sid, him and Sid had kind of a limited run. Yeah, yeah, and once again, I think Sid was an awesome worker as well. You know, I, I had no problem. Yeah. Uh, I liked Sid's match with uh, Taker at thirteen, and um, of course his little rivalry with Sean between that Survivor Series in New York at the Garden and then the Rumble. And like I said, man, that was my first exposure to a live event. Man, there was like sixty five thousand plus there, so you can. Only imagine uh, being like eight good, or that's a good way to start. Yeah, start like out. eight or nine, just like <laughs> freaking out. Never been around twenty thousand, let alone sixty. You know, like so intense. But yeah, yeah I was hooked. Uh, I was hooked, man. That's awesome. What do you What do you think of the programming they're doing? The A and E's and the dark side. Oh man, you know, here's the deal about the dark side. Um, I think that's an amazing those. The two producer guys that are doing it, I think they're doing an amazing job, and I think it's really cool how they have Jericho doing the narrating for it. Um, yeah. And now they're doing, like, the confidential breakdown with – um, what's his Conrad. Name? Yeah, yeah, and, you know, he's Mr. Podcast. He's Mr. Wrestling as far as podcast and, 
Like well, I think he's married to one of the Flair daughters, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. when Rick Flair's your father, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like <laughs> he really. Yeah, I mean it's crazy how he's literally like one of the most, in my opinion, like high up in the wrestling business who's actually not on working for a company. You know what I mean? Like just kind of does it behind the scenes, you know? And he's a smart businessman because he has his legit business and he's still like in the entertainment field and, you know, doing his podcast. Yeah. And, and helps out with uh, something to wrestle with uh, Bruce Pritchard and yeah. the, the Kurt Angle one. And like, he's on so many people's podcasts now. Like, yeah, crazy. Um, I think, you know, the Brian Pillman story, um, both parts, it was intense, man. You know, um, I, you know, when Brian Pillman was making his waves in WCW, you know, with the Hollywood Blondes, with Steve Austin and stuff, I, I have to be honest, it was before my time of watching WCW, or at least able to kind of pick up what was going on. So I didn't watch that that era, okay. era either. Yeah, all I remember Brian Pillman was when he was in the Hart Foundation, you know. Yeah, but me I, too. But I do remember when Stone Cold, you know, broke his like attacked him in the ring because I remember I was like, man, Stone Cold's a badass. Like, you know, like he came in here and just whooped this guy. Like, I remember being a little kid, like, oh man, like that's, that's the worst I've ever seen somebody get whooped at that time, you know, like, um, but you know, Brian Pillman, man, um, I think it's cool that his son's wrestling now and he's on a and a, um, AEW, um, and his tag team's called the varsity blondes kind of paying homage to, the Hollywood Blondes, you know, I think that's really cool. Yeah, um, yeah I do too. And, I, you know, I think it's cool to carry on the family legacy, man, and I hope uh, everything, you know, hope nothing but the best for him, you know. Yeah, he seems like a talented guy and yeah, seems like he has his head on straight. And, yeah, he's you know, been the in thing the... that was always weird to me is, uh, I, you know, the thing they played into, and it's a two-parter, you know, I know there's clips on the second one apparently, but I haven't watched any of them. But I watched the full episode of the first one, and I remember actually. I don't know if I, I yeah, you know, I, I don't think I watched it real time. I think it was like just clips afterwards. But my favorite performer of all time is Bobby Heenan. Man, what a, Bobby Heenan! Is I mean, just, just a wrestling genius, man. I mean, oh my god, just so funny and just in, in my opinion, content. one of the most underestimated managers. You know, like people people want to talk about Paul Bear, Paul Heyman, which they're all great, and Jim Cornette, but I think Bobby the Brain was one of the best oh. entertainers. Um, all across the board. Yeah. Bump like anything. And, you know, um, but when he, you know, had his neck problems and he's working at WCW, he really, it wasn't, you know, a work like a thing for TV. He didn't know that Tillman was going to go behind and, like, you know, bobble his head and he he swore on air he's like what the f are you doing to me yeah yeah and that wasn't like you know something they they planned out you know he, he was like you, you, everyone knows don't touch me so you know i don't know like you know brian tillman some people lived a gimmick like that randy savage documentary even lanny said his brother said you know yeah my brother started to live in the gimmick you know, he yeah he like said he never saw his real brother again yeah like yeah yeah and you know i think rick flair is you know also one of those people that once he became the nature boy you know that's what he is you know yeah i think uh triple h and sean both said in different interviews and things or biographies or you know or other things that have been done about Rick. Well they did that really good documentary about Rick not that long ago. I think it might have been on that. Sean or Hunter, I forget which one, said I don't think I've ever met R- Richard Fleer. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I know what documentary you're talking about. I forgot which one it was, if it was I think it may have been like uh, like that special they did for Andre, like almost through HBO, like a, you know, like a big feature on him, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that I was a good one too. That HBO thing with Andre. Oh man, that was. When a- I first got to WE, um, we we still had a, a situation where we could um, take advances on our checks, so we'd be at a, a live event, and. It was uh, Timmy White 
the you know the referee. Mm-hmm. He was kind of like an agent at the time. Okay. And Sarge, mm-hmm. and they ran like they ran that you know pay window if you want to call it that. I don't know. <laughs> like sound like I'm 100 years old, but it was the pay window. So if you wanted to go up to them and say, hey, like I know I'm going to make this much this week, I need 200 bucks, you know, whatever, you know, they they would mark it down and whatever. But I got wow. to be pretty good friends with Timmy White and just sit with him and just pick his brain because he was a great referee and just a great guy yep. in general. Been in the business and, forever. Um, yeah. Oh, of course. But he was Andre's handler. Yes. So Best friend too, right? He, yeah. Yeah. And he had so many good Andre stories. I Like all those guys had him, but he was like right there with him the whole time. So, and he never got sick of talking about Andre. Like I'd be, I'd tell him sometimes. I'm like, hey, I'm not trying to like mark out for you or Andre or you know anything like that. <laughs> yeah. I just want to. It's hard not to mark out for Andre, experience. man. I mean, how do you know? Yeah, for... but, but he was like, he always loved talking about Andre because they were like brothers, man. They were so like tight, you know, best of friends. And, do do any know, stories? Uh, I mean, do you have a crazy story that um, do you remember him telling you that maybe you know? The public may not know about. Or... I think I think Timmy at this point has exposed him. It, it's like you know him sitting at a bar and you know guys like trying to fight him, and he's like, "No, leave me alone." And you know, it ends up chasing the guys out of the bar, and they get in their car, and there's four people in a car, and he flips it over. Yeah, <laughs> four, yeah, yeah four, I did hear that one. <laughs> four grown men. So stories like that, but I was learning, you know. I don't know, 10 years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, Speaking speaking of, you know, working for WWE, um, when did you know that you wanted to pursue the dream, man? Like, when did you know that you wanted to? Uh, I I always wanted to be in it. Um, I just didn't know how. I, I knew, and things are different in the world, obviously, now, but when I grew up, it was the land of giants. So I knew just from genealogy, I was not going to grow above five seconds. Did you play any you sports, know, so. man, or anything? Or um... No, I did karate. Oh, okay. yeah, I did karate. So I had that discipline. But um, yeah, I just, you know, back then it was like, okay, well, and you didn't know how to, the business wasn't exposed to the point when I was growing up. So, um, yeah, it was kind of for me just uh, when I was living down in North Carolina, um, I was in Charlotte, and a buddy of mine uh, went to, I forget, what was the pay-per-view where Jericho won the Unified? Uh, uh, when he won both titles on the same night uh, from the Rock and yeah, Stone Cold. I want to say it was, pay-per-view was, I don't know if it was an unforgiven, I know it wasn't one of the main four, it was probably like an Unforgiven or Judgment Day. Maybe, yeah, something, something like that. But yeah. yeah, I was walking at, I started thinking like, okay, the business is a little bit exposed. And I was kind of like looking at the show, be like, okay, like I'm smaller, you know, could I be And they kind of phased out managers at the time. Cause like I said, Bobby, you was my favorite. I loved all the managers. Yeah. I never and, understood why they did that. You know, I don't either. I think it's a lost art, a guy like tripping someone and, you know, outside the ring or using a cane to hit someone. Like, I love that. Dude, or like, Cornette with the tennis racket. Yeah, and I mean, oh yeah, and I feel like even the valet kind of died off too. You know, it started being yeah. you had to have a bodyguard, kind of like the Diesel Sean, or when Sean had Sid. You know, um, I feel like people started having bodyguards too um, around when they replaced the managers. You know, or yeah, managers are a lost art, and um, I think it should come back. I don't really know exactly how they'd make it work again, but. I think A and W I think A A and E, I mean um AEW, um, they kind of flirt with it a little bit with like um Cody having um Arn. Yeah, and um Tully coming out with um the pinnacle, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to VHS Trackers. This is Corey and Bryson signing off. But before we do, we're saying... Hey everyone, thanks for listening to VHS Trackers. You can follow us by... That's hey everyone. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, dude. 
Hey everyone, thanks for listening to VHS Trackers. You can follow us at roguemedianetwork.com. Signing off, this is Corey. And Bryson. Saying have a totally rad day. Late. I think uh, the problem with, with guys having managers, I, I think what, I can't speak for anybody else, but I, I, what I have always understood of why managers were phased out of WWE is, Managers were usually brought in for guys that had the body, had the work, <clears throat> but didn't have the, the promo. Yes. I mean, uh, fill in the blank there, Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. So, they they were like, okay, and, you know, I've been through two developmentals, and the last one I was in was FBW, and we had a promo, and actually both of them, we had promo class every week but the last uh developmental i was in was fpw and which later became nxt correct in in that um that fc that became nxt exactly yeah yeah. okay but um they hired dusty and brought him down to run our promo class and you know they want the guys to be so well-rounded they can do everything so i get that to a degree of why they phase it out but i i still think it's a lost art because you need someone to, to distract the ref you know there's so many things you could do by having a second with you that they're just not doing and i, I don't know it's not my business to run but i just don't get why they got away from that concept so did did you so you started refereeing did you start refereeing kind of like me um at a, you know, you went to a school. Did you have to train as a wrestler like I did? Um, I did. Okay, so you trained as a worker like I did, and then basically to get to, you know, pay your dues and you know learn the art, so you know what to look for, etc. Um, yeah. Okay, so that's you know because yeah, I, I I was trained by uh, initially I went to the I packed everything I had in the car and I, I did circle back real quick. I met uh, Crash Holly, uh, his wife, uh, at that pay-per-view where we talked about Jericho and uh, when both straps. Yeah. And she handed me a flyer of his training school, and I went, uh, I was like, went and looked at it, and I was like, oh, okay, is this real? And ran up to her. I was like, hey, you just handed me this flyer. She's like, oh, yeah, my boyfriend or husband is Crash Holly. He started a training school and wants to run a promotion here in the Carolinas. And I was like, okay. She's like, give us a call next week if you want to come down to, you know, see if you want to be a referee here. And he charged too much money. So then I ended up moving back to Pennsylvania. I started looking at office school, which was in Allentown, close to me, and other schools. And then I started uh, looking at, you know, online. And I was like, oh, uh, OVW. As a beginner school, you have to pay for it. Yeah, but, of course. So I, I, I called uh, Nick Dinsmore, Eugene, and yes. he's like, yeah, you know, come down, but I'm going to train you like a wrestler. And I was like, I'm not trying to be a wrestler. He's like, no, but come down and I'll train you like one so you respect it and get positioning. So, yeah. Yep, so, same, same way I had to same way I had to do it um, because I, get, get I think it. it's beneficial. Oh, do I do too. Way. I do too. You know, because now – um, of course, um, can take ref bumps, you know, and don't have to worry about bumping wrong. And two, um, you know what to look for at all times, you know? Yep. So, um, I definitely feel more advanced than somebody just trying to say they're a referee. Cause you know, I'm still in the Indies. So sadly, a lot of these promotions I work for, um, will just book somebody who can put on a referee shirt that may not actually be a referee. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, and, and there's an art to it. There totally is, and you know, I feel yeah. like I feel like a lot of people underestimate the ref, um, just because he's not one of the superstars. But you know, just as well as I do, referee is the third man in the ring, man. Um, yep, one of the most important parts of the match. We're like the choreographer, you know. And it's funny because uh, before we get on this podcast, I, I was looking through Facebook and one of the. I forget which one, but one of the referees in WWE presently, I am friends with on Facebook. I, I can't remember his name offhand, but one of the comments was from my trainer in FCW, Steve Kern, you know, 
portrayed Skinner and you know Savvy's ones and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And he he was like commenting to those posts and he made a good point. He was like, you know, it's a shame really that the referee isn't utilized more because they don't need to bury a referee. If you work together, you can, Hey ref, you know, look over, you know, not look over here, but Hey, come with me. Oh my, Oh, I hurt my ankle, you know, whatever. And someone can get heat from behind, you know, that's simple wrestling psychology and that they don't play on that either. Like no. they, they don't want to bury the ref. And then in, like, I'm not putting AEW down, but they bury their ref. They do everything in front of him, the refs. And I love AEW. I think it's a great, you know, promotion. I agree too. And, but you know, and that's one thing when going over a match, um, when, you know, we're setting up the matches for shows, I always make a point to say, please don't make me look hokey out there. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, if we're going to do it, make it look believable, you know. Um, and, of course, sometimes stuff goes not planned and it happens, but I always try, especially tag matches are the worst, you know. Um, when people uh, Double double spots and uh, the, the blind dis- Where they want to distract you, and they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... It's people aren't as creative as they should be on some of those calls, but you know, I definitely think the referees are underutilized, and I also hate how they don't like really mention their names as much anymore either. It's like they just label them as referee, you know. Yeah. Um. So, what was your favorite style of match um, that you ever refereed? Um, some of the favorite your favorite people you ever worked with, man, um, traveled with, etc. I traveled with uh, Mike Kyoto. Well, at first, when I first got up there, I traveled with Charles Robinson. Little Nate. Yeah, and then um, I helped him build the ring, but then I was told, okay, well, that's actually a additional job that you can pay for for building the, the ring. Which it and should I, be. Yeah, which it is, and it should be, yeah. but... I was just doing it to pay my dues, but Lauren Ice was like, hey, Goose, we're not paying you for it, so I don't want you doing it. And I was like, okay, well, so that kind of ended me riding with Charles. So then I started uh, riding with uh, Bones, Justin King, and um, Kyoto. And so we, we, we were, and then... Jake Hager would jump in with us a lot, Ray sometimes. Wow. But it's usually just the refs traveling together. So we had to get, we had to go to the building early. Yeah. Uh, first, would y'all be the last ones to leave too? Or? Yeah, we would. So I guess y'all would leave probably around the same time like agents would leave, stuff like that, or did they take off before y'all even? Uh, we, we were the last ones out of the building. Oh, okay. Um, uh, the first ones there. Um, did so we you... do check in. You're not just, that's what a lot of people think. Like, you're a ref, and oh, you, wow, you have the greatest job. You're, you're, you know, like you're on. Let's say you only on Raw, you only get one match. Oh, wow, you you got a paycheck for doing one match. Well, yeah, technically I did, but, <laughs> but they there. don't know. And hey, man, it's even in the Indies, and you know as much as I do, it's a hot dog and oh, a handshake in this world, man. And that didn't even include paying for your own travel. Uh, showing up yeah. to help, yeah, man. Uh, you know, it turns into a whole day for, you know, peanuts. You know, yeah. I'm, just, I'm still the majors, paying the dues. Yeah, exactly. And the majors, you're also talent relations. You're getting guys round up for the, the drug testing. You're getting guys round up for the promos. Like you're constantly running around. I mean, like there's barely time to eat in the day. Wow. But well worth it, I'm sure. Sometimes, but it gets taxing. Um, do you have yeah. a, a favorite, like, arena you worked or favorite city you got to travel to, man? Because I know you got to travel probably, what, all around the globe, honestly, huh? Yeah, I did. Um, for me personally, uh, my favorite, I know most people go to Madison Square Garden, which I did twice, and I, I definitely didn't lose any uh, – significance of that and what that meant and that history there. 
Yeah, I mean, but I couldn't even imagine. Um, I'm a I'm an LA guy, like in terms of dude, I love uh, City I'm, Angels. I'm, I'm all into Hollywood. Uh, like I write screenplays. I'm an actor. That's my theater degree from college. Like, oh wow. So I'm where'd you where'd you LA go to college guy. at, man? I went to school outside of Pittsburgh, uh, a school called Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. And it's very confusing because the name of the city is Indiana, but the uh, state is Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. And, um, okay. You watch, uh, I, well, I, actually, it's well before my time, too, but have you ever seen It's a Wonderful Life at Christmas time? Oh, yeah. That old Christmas movie? Yeah. That actor, Jimmy Stewart, uh, that's his hometown. So, oh, okay. Uh, that's, kinda, that's a classic. Kind of the claim to fame, but they, they had a great theater program, and, you know, um, that was kind of my idea of my trajectory that I was going to be a, an actor and I still act and I still write screenplays and stuff like that and whatever but I, the passion was just for wrestling at that time I've circled back and now that that wrestling career refereeing career has kind of when, when did uh, your referee career stop man uh, on my release I, I did maybe two independent spots uh, um, and I was just like, all right. And AEW wasn't around. No. TNA uh, was, but they didn't pay referees anything. It's just more for the exposure. And wow, really? So I, I, yeah, so I just kind of, um, you know, went to kind of civilian life. And I'm like, okay, well, nothing wrong with that. I, I did that. I've been there, got the T-shirt, you know, so <laughs> I've done it. You know, can't take it away from me. I mean, as in two WrestleManias. You know, yeah, which WrestleMania is, um, did you referee? I did 25 and 26. I did uh, Ray and JBL, so I changed that Intercontinental Championship. And well, then, and then that did, was uh, JBL's uh, retirement, too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. I was there, and, man. Uh, I was uh, in the attendance, man. That was in Houston. Oh, uh, were you? Yeah. Yeah, I was there, man. 2009. Yeah. Yep. What an arena. Just walking out and seeing everything. Yeah, like, how intense like was most? that? Because they did such a good job with, like, stacking that arena and the making it the 25th anniversary of the way they did it. Um, yeah, it was a tremendous card to be a part of. And, and don't you know, think the greatest match Ray. all time was on that card, too? Um, yeah. Sean Taker. Oh, my God. What do you he, he never – I've been in enough locker rooms where sometimes, like, even if it's, like, supposedly hyped as a great match, other guys are like, oh, I'm going to be in catering or take a shower. Like, people were, like, Crowding the monitors to watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, didn't Marty Elias, he refereed that one, right? Yeah, he did. Marty's a good friend of mine. I love Marty. He's and I think guy. Marty, uh, didn't he, it, wasn't he on Lucha Underground, or is he still working, right? Or um, he helped out with that Glow series or something, and he still. Yeah, he, he keeps himself busy. I haven't talked to him in a while. We, uh, you know, text. You know, it's weird with wrestling. You know, you're, you're always lifelong brothers. But yeah, yeah. Once you're in the, it, it, once it's a it's just, fraternity. It's just weird because, yeah, because, you know, you live your own life and you do your own thing. And then the moment you, you know, get a hair up your butt and be like, oh, I'm going to text so-and-so and, you know, whatever. And you call each other and it's just like not a day has passed. But, you know. You do lose contact with people, but there there is really like a brotherhood with with all of us, and um, it just you know you're not sending each other Christmas cards every year, you know, but you're still you still have that common experience. But yeah, Marty was and so I think good to me. You were speaking road. of L.A. like Staples Center, um, and Marty lives out in L.A. I think right. Um, he does, yeah, yeah. Um, he actually was nice enough. Um, I was, I, you know, I messaged him because I saw him on Facebook, and he actually, just like you did, even though you did a lot more, man, with your two um, wonderful referee seminars you did for us through, um, what was the guy's name in Florida who organized that? Oh, with with, um, Chris Silvio. Yeah, yeah, and I, I can't thank you enough, man, because I learned more from you in those seminars than I think I may have learned um, in wrestling school and from hands-on experience, just getting into the business, uh, refereeing, you helped me a lot, man, on both of those seminars. So can't thank you enough. Very very high compliment. Um, it was weird for me, 
you know, coming up because I kind of had to learn refereeing as I went. I mean, we had referees in OVW when I first started, but they had never, the ones I came up with were never on the road. They're, they're kind of older guys. It's so whatever, hard to get a mentor in the referee game. Don't you agree? It is. Yeah. It is. And like, even in, you know, training schools. Yep. Because I was promised like, uh, help from a referee, and man, that didn't. My my referee training was throwing me into the shows every Saturday, like that. You know, practice matches at the you know during practice, you know. Um, but I never got in. Yeah, but I've watched your videos, and and you and I, you know, talk of kind of closing secrets or anything. But you have a unique look, and you're a big guy, and you know. Chris and I both looked at your stuff and said, you should be like kind of like a special enforcer. That's the way they should market you and you should market yourself on a show. Like, cause you're probably bigger than most of the talent on the indies you're doing. I'm yeah, assuming. So, yeah. Sadly. So man, uh, they always try. And, uh, if it's going to be two big guys in a match, they always make sure to get me. Cause that's the only people who will make me look like a ref, you know, um, is when yeah. they get the big guys in there. But yeah, man, it's hard when they want me to take a ref bump from somebody littler than me and the bump they're calling is like a splash in the corner. They're going to throw me out of the ring, you know, cause it's yeah. usually somebody like half my size. Yeah, for sure. Well, it works both ways because, um, you know, with me, I'm five foot seven. So I'm very small. Wow. So they would typically put me with divas, and they would also put me with big guys to enhance their size, yeah. obviously. Yeah, of course. So yeah. it worked both ways, but um, I think with your size advantage of most indie guys, I'm assuming, aren't as big as you. So I'm I would a, think that you should. I'm about 6'1", 6'2", uh, about 250. So Okay. Yeah. But bigger than a lot of indie guys, I bet. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 So, you can work that gimmick either which way. I mean, you could, you could, you know, I don't know what promotions you work necessarily, but. Sadly, could, tr- still climbing, you know. I'm, I work, uh, I'm finally starting to get out of the state just because the pandemic put a big wrench in. You know, I know. Killed yeah. everything, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. So, during that time, I just worked on personal goals, but now, you know, I'm vaccinated and things are starting to open back up. So I'm trying to hit the ground running. And I finally um, got into Arkansas and trying to start getting out of state. It's just, and you know, just as much as I do, a lot of people don't want to pay a referee to travel, um, you know, far. So, you know, that's, that's where where you can build your gimmick. Like, uh, almost like a special enforcer referee, you know? Okay. Um, I think it's where you could make your, your money and just be like, all right, well, I don't know, like, the promotions you work with, if they, like, kind of like a general manager type character that, like, kind of builds the, the card or whatever, but if they're smart, they would be like, okay, like, this, this big guy and this big guy are going to wrestle. All right, well... Let's bring in Matt as a special enforcer because he can handle these two. I would think that would be your place that you could kind of market yourself like that. Well, I really, Uh, no, no, I really appreciate that, man. I appreciate that advice. And I mean, what did y'all, I mean, did y'all think my work was pretty good, honestly, or? um, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I watch it. And, uh, I watched it independently and with Chris, and we both agreed, you know, because you asked us, you're like, all right, well. Yeah, I mean, dude, I need all the advice and help, and I I, I can handle the criticism too, you know, because Marty made sure to give it to me, and um, I've talked with uh, Jessica Carr, the girl ref in WWE, as well as uh, Aubrey Edwards, um, you know, Who's in AEW? You know the girl. Yeah, but, she she's very talented. Yeah, and they've all given me advice. You know, a lot of them though seem to hate on my long hair and my beard, thinking that's gonna hold me back. Is the only issue that I've 
you know, her. It could, but in the same respect, like, be different. Well, and that's how I felt, man. Like, if they can have girl refs now, why can't guys be more um, yeah. personable with long hair and a beard? But I feel like yep. the old school referee look, they almost had that cop look, you know, with the short hair, clean face. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And I, I played into that. My hair is like, I had shaved my beard a couple months ago, but my hair is really long. I'm not trying to get back in the business, but all those years, I, I did the cop look, shaving my head basically bald. I mean, and do you think that's something that still has to happen? I think for WE, I think that's their mentality. But in the same respect, if they watch tapes of you and be like, okay, well, if they build you right to promoters, saying, okay, this guy is a special enforcer, all right, let's bring him in like that. You know, and they, they, uh, and, also, MLW is starting to gain a lot of steam. Yeah, I think they didn't. They just get signed by a TV channel, didn't they? They definitely did. Yeah, uh, and, Vice, wasn't it? Yep. And WE, I'm not going to accuse them of anything, but they conceptually kind of, in my opinion, stole the concept of that for that uh, Fight Club thing that they did on Raw. Oh, the Raw Underground thing that Shane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which didn't last long so, at all. You know. Well, not at all, but, but you know, Bulldog Jr. works for uh, MLW a lot. And, um, um, David Hart Smith, uh, Harry. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've watched a few of those and, you know, no ropes and, you know, kind of just shoot fighting, basically, concept. And so why are you, I don't know why in any promotion you need a referee to look like a cop, like, no one's pulling the ref's hair or the beard. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, who cares what they look like? I agree, man. You know, I think it's 2021, and, you know, I think it's time for um, – I don't know if they're saying it steals away from the, the match because it's distracting. That's what most people have told me. But I don't think – that shouldn't distract people by what a hairstyle – I mean, I can understand if somebody was covered in tats, you know, all over yeah. or, you know. Well, even that. I'm, I'm not even opposed to that. If if someone has their own unique look, as long as they're not hamming it up on camera or getting camera angles, if the talent in the ring Gotta know your isn't corners, producing man. and stealing the show and getting eyes on them, I think I told you in that seminar, the biggest compliment I ever got as a referee was an FCW. Yep. When Edge came down and he watched and they said, okay, like, He's like, I want to see so-and-so because they want to bring – I forget who the talents were, but they want – the office wanted to see them wrestle a match. So I got put in there as a ref. And afterwards, uh, you know, Edge was there watching it. And Edge was like, all right, you know, wrestler one, wrestler two, here's what you could have done different, this, that, the other. So I let them all talk, obviously, because they're the talent. Yep. So afterwards, I went to Adam and I was like, hey, man um, – how did I do? He's like, uh, I didn't notice you. Which is the uh, biggest like, comp. Yeah. But it was, and he saw the look of sadness in my eyes and he goes, no, man, Goose, it's a good thing. No, yeah. You, you stay out of the way. You didn't ruin any spot. You, you knew your, you know, towards the back corner and you, you did everything perfectly. So I didn't have to worry about you. So that's a compliment. And it took me a little bit to understand that. Yeah. And see, and that's why in all, all these promo shows, man, they, I mean, all these uh, indie shows I do, uh, people have a hard cam and the roving cam, you got to know your slices and you need to know where the hard cam is. So you're not, you know, you don't break the, it, it's the fourth law, right? Or whatever. Don't break the fourth law. Like, you want yeah. to, like, work it like a horseshoe, you know, like. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and I always get complimented on that, man, because some refs, they go out there and don't even think about it and end up blocking a big spot, you know. But, yeah, Goose, um, I really appreciate having you on um, on this episode, man, and I don't know about you, I really enjoy talking to you, and um, I'd love to have you back on. Um, sometimes I'd love to, man. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. You're you're one of the most uh, engaged people that I met in those seminars, those ref seminars I did, because I, I can tell in your passion and 
your enthusiasm, uh, how much you care and how much you want to learn. And uh, like, that's really what you need, man. Like, that's how I was when I first started out. I'm like, you know, I want to soak up everything I can learn. And I, I, like, that's true in any business. Well, and I feel like I almost annoy people sometimes because I'm not. No, no. But I'm just that hungry, man. I'm hungry like the wolf, man. I, you know, I'm. You know what? I've I've made it clear what my goals are, man. I'm trying to work for a major promotion, and um, I think I really have the ability so uh, to do so. If you know, I'm I keep staying focused and chasing after goals, you know, and that's why I'm taking yeah. this audience along on the journey with me. I'm trying to open up more doors, you know. Yeah. And, and I, all is a good thing, and don't ever lose that focus because you know, really honestly, like I know. I know we're wrapping up, but uh, just to leave you with something. Um, when I traveled in OVW and we were doing these live events in OVW and I rode in the ring truck. So uh, uh, there was a driver and then Al Snow was our trainer at the time. And he sat in the front seat and it was me in the back seat. And sometimes the student more than often not it was robert gibson which is a wealth of knowledge to travel with um was he went, was he one of the rock and roll express right yeah yeah okay yeah and then, so we we go to these little podunk towns in kentucky and you know al's a major star you know has been for you know long long time. oh yeah man he was in um, ecw and, uh, wwe oh, Lang- yeah. foley and head and um didn't he do collar and elbow now, right? The clothing brand, right? Yeah, yeah. And he he uh, bought into OV. He, he he's the owner of OVW now. Yeah, and I've been trying to knock at their door too, man. Especially saying you worked for them. I I'd really aren't they out of Kentucky now though? They've always been out of Louisville. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I didn't. Yeah, know that. yeah. Same building, everything. He just revamped the business. He and bought I, it from Danny Davis and just revamped the whole business model. Danny retired and moved down here to Clearwater with his wife. Oh. And, um, uh, but yeah, so, uh, the takeaway was, I remember going to some podunk town and we knew we didn't have much of a gate. It was maybe 50 people, 60 people, something like that. Something very minimal, but it was like a three hour drive. And I'm like, Oh man, Al, you must hate this. Like having to travel with us and go to these cool podunk towns. He goes, no, man. He's like, this is the most fun I have in my career. I, this is the times that are that mean something, like where you meet friends and you learn your craft and this, that, the other. And I didn't get it at that time. I was like, oh, okay, he's just kind of trying to placate us because we're not on TV or whatever. And when I got to WE, it's so big. And it's so overwhelming. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And, I can't and even it's imagine. so much pressure. And then when I was there, that's when it resonated that everything he said in that conversation was true. Those times were the best times. Even though you made it to the pinnacle of where you were, your goal was, you enjoyed the ride. And that was the most important lesson I ever learned in wrestling. Man, and I'll tell you, I'm I'm loving the ride right now. Putting in the miles, putting in the work. I may not be getting what I want out of it fully, but I am as far as personally getting to live the dream. Um, being in a business that I always wanted to be in, and it's finally happening, you know. And um, I'm just extremely grateful and happy, man. And such a pleasure to get to talk to you, somebody who I've watched on TV, man, and you've helped me so much in my career, and I hope you'll stick around for the ride, man, for advice. And like I said, I'd love to have you back on the show. Well, always, man. It's a real pleasure. I was really uh, flattered that you asked me to join, you know, and you and I need to take a geography class, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got mixed up on the Central Eastern time. Yeah, yeah. Man. yeah. Yeah, man, my but, but yeah, you're 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 a, a very uh, solid person, and you're you're very respectful and very like driven, and uh, that means a lot to me. That stands out, and that will stand out for you professionally. And you know, just keep doing what you're doing, and uh, it's gonna pay dividends, man. Thank you so much, Goose. I really appreciate that, brother.
Um, yeah, of course, man. And um, we'll definitely stay in touch, man. And you have a good week. And um, just hit me up um, on social, and we'll link up and get uh, get you on for another episode, man. Because I'd like a part two somewhere down the line. Yeah, I'd love that. I had man. I had tons I'll more questions for you. They're just pulling the plug on me, so. Um, That's all right, man. Yeah. I'm long-winded. <laughs> all right, brother. Well, um, hope, all right, my friend. I'll Have see you down the road, night. man. Yeah, you too, man. Good deal, bro. All right. Take care. All right, thank you. Bye, brother. Yep, and once again, y'all, that was um, Aaron Goose Mahoney, former WWE referee. Um, it was a pleasure talking with him, and I'd like to get him back on for a, probably a part two sometime down the road. Um here on Out of the Corner with Shane Matthews. And um, until next time, that's it. Ring the bell. has been a Rogue Media Podcast.